Welcome back to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This week, I talked with Michael with Texas Outlaws. They have their indoor season starting here pretty soon. They're out in Mesquite, and they're excited to start their third season. So let's start this chat and head to the pitch. My name is Michael Delgado. I'm with the uh, Texas Outlaws. I'm the Director of Business Outreach and Operations. Um, I'm new on the staff as of August. Um, and, you know, we're excited for this upcoming season. And we're going to get after it. Love it, love it. Love it. So, Mike, how did you get into soccer? Let's start there. And this beautiful game that we all love and enjoy. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my mom and dad, I was born in California, actually. And so... Uh, The first uh, growing up, I played soccer uh, in California. A unique thing that my mom did for me, which I appreciate now, is she knew soccer was going to be my thing. Um, So she made me play other sports first. So I did T-ball, you know, baseball, hockey, ice hockey. So I did all that first because she knew soccer was going to stick. You know, my dad grew up playing. And so that was something that was going to be. So she wanted to make sure I just got a little diversity in and got to see other things before I made my trek in the soccer. And so, yeah, so it all started in California. That's awesome. So I I think that's key as a parent is making sure your kids are well-rounded athletes. Like they can't say you can't play this or you can't play that. It's you got lucky. You got to play ice hockey. I think that's even more expensive than soccer now. Yeah. Um, Uh, I have a nine-year-old child and a five-year-old child, and we are very much advocates of multi-sport athletes. We let them pick everything they're doing. So for us, it is key to exposure. My son says he doesn't like baseball. You wait too long between batting. He doesn't like football. (laughs) He doesn't like American football because it is, um, there's too many, if one person fails their job, you have to start over and you only get four chances. And it's like, and then, so there's all that fun stuff. That's awesome that your mom did that. I, I think that's such a fascinating, she already had the site. So where did you go from, what did you, how did your path project to get you to where you are today then? Yeah. So obviously I, I grew up um, playing in California. Um, we moved to Texas, Mesquite, Texas specifically uh, in 2002. Um, and so when I first got here to Texas, uh, obviously we really, we really didn't know anything. Um, we really didn't know much at all. Even before that, you know, my my dad, he came across the border from Mexico, from uh, Jalisco. Um, and then my mom was from Austin. Um, she played softball, you know, growing up. Um, but, you know, neither one of them went to college. Um, and so I was, you know, the first one in our family uh, later on down the line uh, to go to college. Um, and so when we got here to Texas, uh, you know, just connected in the community, you know, honestly, at first started out like most kids, you know, playing rec and, uh, you know, figuring that out. And then eventually uh, I got onto a, a local uh, club team, a more small independent team that was here in the Dallas Metroplex. Um, and then, yeah, you know, my senior year, uh, gracious enough, you know, um, I got district MVP uh, at, and I went to Mesquite Poteet. Um, so, uh, Casey Osborne was my coach there. Um, and so, yeah, so he was, he was a young coach, uh, when he took on that job, um, and, 
we had a lot of success there at Mesquite Poteet. You know, my senior year, we ended up uh, going to the fifth round, losing to the Colony. Um, and then that next year, uh, which was my best friend's uh, David, uh, his senior year, they ended up piggybacking off of that and they made it all the way to the, the state championship um, and we lost in the state final. Um, but to back up just a little bit, um, you know, after my senior year, me and David that I was telling you about, we, we went to Argentina for some, some tryouts and to try to, you know, get, get out there. And so he had some contacts out there. Um, so we, you know, I had never been before, but I was done with college. I, you know, I had ambitions of, you know, trying to, to go pro a different route. Like I said, I didn't play on your FC Dallas or Solars and all that. Um, so my journey was a little bit different. Um, so I went and did that. Uh, we were there for three, two to three months. Um, you know, we both got two or three contract offers. Um, but David had one more year of uh, high school and I knew my parents um, would be like, if David's going to stay there, then you can stay there. And so uh, we called his parents and uh, we got his dad on board. And then my mom was kind of like, no, you need to come back, finish, finish your high school um, diploma and, and then you can go back. And so I was like, dang it. So I called my mom and let her know. And she was like, well, you can, you can come back. I was 17 at the time I graduated um, I was the youngest in my class. Um, and so that experience being out there in Argentina was was definitely I'm grateful that I went on that trip and, and did it and got to experience it. Um, I had a couple of tryouts in Mexico after that. Um, and then before I left through all that, my high school coach's best friend uh, took the job uh, at Howard Payne. It's a division three school in Brownwood, Texas. Um, so he became the head coach there and there was about six or seven of us um, from our team that, you know, we're, we're going to go play there. And so we kind of all committed there as a group. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I finally, I started my first week of college it was August 13th. Still remember that to the day. Um, and so we started preseason, uh, you know, my playing career uh, was ended up getting cut short, you know, two weeks into my freshman year after my second college game, I was involved in a car accident. And so I went from, you know, being in Argentina, being at the top, what I thought was the top to uh, three weeks later, um, getting into a car accident that left me paralyzed from the chest down, not being able to play anymore. And so that's why my story is, is unique, different. Um, you know, we all have different adversities and stuff. Um, and I'll kind of pause it there and see if you have any questions on that. And then I can continue going forward. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing. I mean, tragic what happened and worry. I've heard stories like this. I don't know much about you as yeah. an individual. Are, do you have mobility now or do, do you, um, regain mobility yeah, so I be uh, able to play still somewhat. Or I was just... a T7 complete injury, so I I'm I'm paralyzed from a little below the chest down. Um, okay. I did not. Um, I've been in the chair since 2008. Um, and so with that being said, you know my high school coach when I had that car accident August 31st 2008. Um, you know at first it was uh it was a challenge, you know. Um, but I think it was easy for me because I was in that mode of wanting to try to go to the next level. 
um, and I had goals and ambitions. So when I when I had the car accident, my doctors told me I wasn't a normal patient um, because I had a smile on my face still. Um, I was, you know, trying to 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 get out of the hospital. You know, I wanted to get out and, and potentially, you know, walk out of there and be able to do my own things. So I I was just getting after it from the from the get go. Um, and so, so yeah, you know, there was no, and I think that came from, you know, my parents, you know, their hard work and them just never getting the opportunities, uh, that maybe they deserved. Um, and, and just having to prove myself, I'm, I'm super competitive. Um, if you can throw a challenge at me and, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go after you and try to try to get it done or make it better, you know? No, uh... To have that positivity after a a tragic event is amazing because I feel like so many people get hung up or brought down. And For sure. I can only imagine the energy that you bring with you everywhere you go now because of your 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 view and your foresight on life. I, I, I think that's awesome. So how did you end up now? transitioning so that was 2008 that happened Eight. and you yeah so you finished college 2012 yeah so 2008 um my high school coach was like hey why don't you come out and volunteer coach here at Poti? you know your best friend david it's his senior year um just come out and thankfully I, I i was like yeah let me do it so i was at every training session all throughout that 2009 year and you know we we ended up going all the way to the state championship and i think that really motivated um, and so I told my mom, um, after it was about April, you know, Texas high school soccer finishes up around, around that time. And so I was like, mom, you know what, I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to finish what I started. It's going to be in a different capacity. Um, but I want to go back, finish my degree, um, and be a part of the team that I originally went to. And so my mom was a little, uh, hesitant at first, you know, cause Brownwood's, it's about three and a half hours here from Dallas. So yeah. it's, it's away, but, and that was one of the reasons why we went there. Cause it was, you could get away from home, but it was close enough if we wanted to be back in Dallas to get back in Dallas, you know? And so, uh, yeah, so I went back in 2009, uh, the fall of 2009, um, and coach Wright, um, our head soccer coach, who's now at a Watchtop Baptist. Um, he, uh, you know, from, from the get-go was, you know, we're going to bring you back. You're going to be a student assistant coach and still be involved in the program um, and, and help us out in any capacity. Um, and so that's what I did. So I did my student coaching uh, until I graduated uh, 2013. Um, I graduated from Howard Payne uh, with a bachelor's um, in education. Um, so my, my goal was to be a high school soccer coach and, and teach in the classroom. I did Spanish education with a minor in coaching. And so, um, so then once, once I got done with that, uh, coach, Wright, uh, around 2015, I believe it was, he, uh, took the job at a Watchtower Baptist. And so when it was kind of in the springtime and so, there was a period of time, about two months, I would say roughly that, you know, that there was no head coach. And so me and a buddy of mine, we, we took it upon ourselves to make sure that we were going to help guide the guys and, and whoever they were going to hire uh, to be the next head coach. Um, you know, we would 
make sure that the boys are still locked in and, and you know, not wanting to transfer out and all that good stuff. And then uh, they hired Esteban Arbiza from uh, Harden Simmons. And so when he, he came on board, he brought me on as, as one of his assistants. Um, and then, and then, yeah, so I was a uh, college assistant coach there at Howard Payne. And, uh, then I was like, you know what, uh, if I don't get my master's now, I don't think I'm going to do it later on. And so I ended up, uh, while I was the assistant coach there starting my master's program from Concordia Irvine in California, uh, in athletic admin to be like an athletic director and stuff like that. So I finished that in 2015. Uh, so that was a year and a half program. Um, and then in, in 2015, um, a buddy of mine, he got offered uh, a job here in the Dallas area uh, at Paul Quinn College. And so he, right away, he was like, Delgado, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this area. You know, do you want to do you want to come on board with me? And so uh, I was like, sure. You know, we're, we're used to starting things from the from the get go, uh, like there at Howard Payne and. So him and I, uh, we started the men's and women's program at uh, Paul Quinn College um, in Dallas. And so from 2015 uh, all the way up until 2017, um, we finally grew the program, uh, both on the men's side and the women's side, uh, to where, you know, we were getting sponsors in, we were getting uh, student athletes in. Uh, and then 2017, I became the women's head coach uh, there at Paul Quinn. Um, and then I assisted the men's program. Uh, and then in 2022, uh, I took over as the head coach for the men's program, um, 2021, uh, took over for the men's program, uh, as the head coach in the women's program. Uh, and then fast forward to, uh, August of this year, um, I, I then got on staff, uh, you know, I knew Brad from out recruiting, uh, uh, at the college level. And so he had reached out to me and, uh, he's like, Hey man, and you know, I got this GM position, uh, at the Texas or formerly Mesquite outlaws. Um, and we rebranded it, uh, to the Texas outlaws. And he was like, man, I'd love to have you on board. Um, I, I don't know exactly where yet, but, um, I I'd love to have you on board. And so, um, that transition happened, uh, pretty quickly. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm here with the Texas outlaws. Like I said earlier, I'm the director of business outreach and operations here with the Texas outlaws. I'm a, that's awesome. The Texas outlaws, they went through a major rebranding this year. I felt because they went from mesquite outlaws to laws. Is there something in the works with that or is it just renaming it so they can be more Texas than I yeah, no, so, so the rebrand was really uh, just working to, to build off, you know, uh, coach tattoo and the boys season last year. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of teams and, and people uh, kind of in, in a way uh, didn't think that could happen. You know, um, last year was their first year back since before COVID. Um, and so really I, we had someone say it's our kind of red shirt, uh, sophomore season or something like that. Um, and so, uh, it's really just about that, just continuing to build the brand, um, and make sure that, you know, we're strong in all facets, our, our front office to our players, to our coaching staff, uh, just making sure that we're getting after it and, and putting the brand, uh, to the highest level. 
So with the season coming up, we talked about this earlier. December 3rd is your first away game, which is not your home right. opener, but that's your first game of the season. And your next just when you guys have your first home opener, um, I think I wrote it down correctly, December 9th. No, that's when you're playing. Uh, December 16th is our 16th. home opener. Um, you know, we compete there right at the Mesquite Arena. Um, and so we're super excited uh, about that um, and the new partnerships that that we've made. Uh, we're, we're really excited about that first first game um, and just making sure that we build off last year, like I said, both on and off the field, um, just making sure uh, that we continue to grow, uh, specifically the game of soccer, but grow our brand as well. So with with the, the season starting on the 16th, do you guys have anything special planned for that match for indoor, or is it going to be this grand party like I feel like all home openers are? Yeah, we have a couple of things that we'll be announcing here in the coming weeks. Um, some of our new partnerships and stuff, uh, we, we do have uh, a theme uh, that we will be rolling out in the coming weeks, but I'll kind of just let that hang in there until we announce it. Um, but yeah, you know, we're super excited about, about, about that home opener. Um, and, and we want to make sure that we, we give our fans and, and the kids, uh, you know, uh, the opportunity to, to be a part of something special. Now we guys have uh, every game. I feel like most of these games, like, have special themes special things going on be interactive with the community um i follow you guys on social media now and i see that you guys are very heavily involved in the community will that continue throughout the season or will it be more focused on the game i just asked because i know it's very hard to do both looking yeah. at all professional teams for sure so um as we get closer in the season obviously right now um along with the rest of our front office um, you know, we've just really been doing our part to get out into the community of Mesquite here um, and then as well uh, all throughout North Texas. Um, and so with the rebrand, uh, you know, kind of casting a wider, uh, broader net um, and going out and getting more uh, of a North Texas uh, fan base um, as we go through this upcoming season. And so as season gets up, um, obviously, you know, our coaches and our players are, are going to be focused on, uh, you know, first uh, competing in the in the regular season and making a uh, a another run in the playoffs and getting to the playoffs. So, uh, you know, they'll be busy, but our front office and our interns um, will will be still getting out into the community uh, and working to grow the brand, like I said earlier. That's awesome. So. This is more of for parents to understand. As indoor soccer is arena soccer, I mean, I've, I've learned the difference. <laughs> um, speaking, so if you have foot sole and you have uh, arena, I, I, what is it? It is arena soccer, correct? I am saying right. it right. Yeah. Um, the rules are slightly different than other soccer and altogether. Basics are there. But as players progress, do you guys go and recruit players from high school levels or? Do you guys have open tryouts so parents can come and have their players, their dream is to go play pro, maybe sign For a sure. semi-pro contract so they can go still compete in collegiate, whatever it may be. Do you guys have stuff like that or is it mostly looking for a certain age group and so they have the liberties to travel? Because I know your guys' your travel schedule is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So 
uh, we actually last week just finished up um, our second uh, tryouts uh, for this upcoming year. Um, we've had two tryouts now um, where it, it's, it's, it was open for, you know, whoever uh, wanted to sign up for it. Um, and so, uh, you know, we had a good showing um, at that first, first tryout. We had upwards of 60 guys there, um, which, which was, you know, a, a, a good show out for, for our first tryout uh, for this upcoming year. Um, and then this last week, um, we capped it out. Um, and I think it, we ended up with about 30, 35, um, but we wanted to, to make sure that we could focus in uh, a little bit more our coaches um, as they're evaluating, um, you know, the guys and, and what, uh, who they want to bring on and whatnot. We wanted to give it a little bit more scoped um, and not as many numbers because, um, you know, uh, it, it can get uh, it can get to be a lot when you got way too many people out there, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just amazed at how much the game is like so um, hockey. Yes, the constant yeah. transitioning of lines. I mean, it is absolutely amazing what these guys can do and manipulate the ball when they're on the pitch. So as you guys go through this tryout process, is there an age cap and an age uh, too young to play? Or where do you guys do it? Because I know that there are, I mean, requirements yeah. from the league and things along that line. So, so I believe this last year we had, we had a, a, a player or two that was uh, 18, 19 uh, around that age. And then, I mean, at the tryouts um, I know, I know we had uh, a few 19 year olds um, and then the, the ages were mixed. Uh, I mean, there was, there was a couple guys out there that were in their thirties um, that, that were trying out. So the age range was, was, you know, young and, and goes to, I mean, really, whoever wants to take a shot, you know, at it. And so, uh, yeah, the other thing that I didn't mention is, uh, you know, our GM, he's actually on, on a flight right now to Utica uh, because the MASL uh, is having their uh, MASL combine and draft this weekend. And so oh, yeah. that's another opportunity. Um, our coaches are, are going to be up there as well as our GM, Brad um up there in Utica they're on their way out there um because that uh MASL combine um and draft and so that thing's pretty cool a couple years ago you know we we hosted it here at the Mesquite Arena and now Utica will be hosting it uh this year that's awesome my my big thing with Utica I'm in two and a half hours north from there that's where I was born and raised in the small town so okay <laughs> very cool very cool but I will root yeah. for you guys over Utica by the way um I have no ties to Utica no no yeah. <laughs> I root for you guys um uh, so as you guys go through this process of finding talent finding players now you don't have to talk numbers but is it I always look at like the, the this as more of like a some of the players I've read about, not uh, between the outlaws and the um, sidekicks, because those are the only two examples we have in the Metroplex that I can mm -hmm. think of. Um, I don't. My wife and I had a conversation one day. Is this a? A lot of them, like at the sidekicks, are a couple of them are several of them are teachers, or and they coach on the side. And is it more of a? Dream of still being able to play and make an income, or is it something that they can actually live off from? And, or like they could play and go to college hypothetically or is it just a like a part-time job because I think people get confused because your season is really condensed and really short yeah 
Yeah. So our, um, you know, we'll start training uh, together with the team um, early November. Um, and then obviously uh, our season starting at the beginning of December. Uh, so really November all the way through April is, uh, you know, the time frame that our players um, will, will be getting ready and, and competing in the season. Um, but obviously those months that they're not, um, several of our players, the majority of them, you know, they have their own personal, uh, personal training skills. Um, and so I, I think just off the top of my head, I, I, I know we've got like six or seven of them uh, that, that they do those. And so, you know, that's uh, a way for them to, to supplement income as well uh, in those other months. And so, uh, you know, it, it really, it, it really, it's, it's uh, all hands on deck. You know, they, they, they have to do things outside as well um, uh, to, to, you know, make, make ends meet. And so. I, I, I'm looking at it as having a young child. His dream is to play professional soccer and he might have to go work a nine to five, but he can still have the chance to go play on a, a pro team. For sure. Like the outlet outlaws and having a chance to go continue having the best of both worlds, even though it may be a crazy six months. <laughs> doing yeah. Both. Um, I know that a lot of the coaches I've met um, that are still players that are playing, I know that Segu, his job, and I know that too, where he coaches and outside of the Outlaws. So, I mean, it's very fascinating to me, the economics of it all and how it works, because I think parents just have this idea, oh, they can go play this. Well, this is the income for six months. They have to go offset it yeah. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now, as you progress, do you guys find long-term, long-term, deal contracts or do you guys have short-term contracts because as players progress or regress I don't and it's the worst thing to say about a player ever having to do or something happens how does that affect contractual stuff or if if you don't want to mention it it's fine I'm just trying to give an understanding yeah yeah no so I don't do a lot with the contracts but we do sign um uh short-term deals and long-term deals um so we do do uh, both and it's really comes down to you know coach tattoo and his staff of of what uh you know they want in in certain players um and so um you know we we've done uh several re-signings for this upcoming year um and a lot of the the rookies um i believe uh they do like two two to three year deals um and so uh, their contracts, you know, then they they renew or renegotiate after those two to three years. Um, and then your, you know, your players that are are have been in the league for a while, um, their contracts are, are set up a little bit differently. Um, but yeah, you know, there's short term contracts, long term contracts. Um, you know, the teams do do trades and stuff. I know this past year we picked up a, a few players, uh, you know, mid season or whenever it is before the cutoff is. Um, and so, you know, they do, the, the league does do trades at the draft. I'm sure there will probably be some trades that'll be done, um, you know, throughout the draft. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like any other, other professional sports league. That's really cool because I, first of all, I didn't know you guys had a combine. I mean, that is phenomenal. It has grown that much to get to that point. Um, because when you hear when you talk to pl- former players, they talk about indoor as what they did during during their off season of outdoor over the mm-hmm. like 
because they go from what is it normally the old time frame i think it was like uh february to november and that's where uk's aren't to a degree yeah there's a slight overlap but it's amazing that when you talk to some of these players that's what they would do they'll go play outdoor then they'll come back from outdoor and go play indoor and just have this huge transition and that allows them to stay they always said it kept them in shape indoor which is just more brutal um, than outdoor and as the season progresses now are you guys looking forward to uh, making the same place that you guys made last year and advancing farther because you guys made it pretty far last year we're just coming back after first time after covid yeah so uh you know you talked about you know the outdoor and stuff the game of futsal has grown so much um here in in america uh you know i still feel we're a little bit behind and catching up um but with a little bit of time and and an investment that the u.s is putting into it and and coaches um, are putting into it um you know many of our our guys play futsal um as well now um and mini football um and so uh, with that being said, that's kind of where they, they keep their rhythm and, and, uh, you know, working on their fitness and, and their IQ and all those good things. We'll actually have, um, two of our guys, uh, representing, uh, with the U S, uh, mini football team, um, going to, uh, the mini football world cup that will be in, uh, United Emirates. Um, and so, that's going to be right around the corner. We have two of our players um, in David Ortiz and Sebastian Mendez um, that will be uh, representing, uh, you know, the U.S. and the Texas Outlaws as they go out uh, at the end of this month and into November for the mini football World Cup. Now, me being ignorant now, what is the mini football? Because now I'm thinking it's like a 5v5 style soccer so the mini- like they had this summer. The mini football is, uh, it's kind of like futsal. It has no walls. Um, and so uh, it just has no walls. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's obviously similar to uh, the, the indoor rules and futsal rules. The combination of the two. Got it. Yeah. That's really cool because it's, I mean, what they're doing with the, this beautiful game is amazing. I don't know if it's, getting better at marketing or people are truly catching on to what the rest of the world calls football. We're becoming more developed and better uh, mature with age. Sure. Here with, yeah. With yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, well, you know, DFW is a hotbed for soccer. So, um, you know, there's really been uh, a big push for growing the game of futsal and, and mini football. Um, and so, you know, we're just excited to be a part of it and have some of our boys uh, to go represent, you know, not only the U.S., but us here at the Texas Outlaws. Um, and then just, uh, you know, go out and, and, and live the dream that most of us that were soccer players uh, always wanted, you know. And so now to have some guys here from the DFW area that are, that are on those teams uh, just, I think, speaks volumes to uh, the quality soccer that's here in the Dallas Metroplex. Awesome. So as time has progressed, progressed with everything with all the players, um, do you guys, t- how do I describe this as the players, how, how do they interact with the fans then at um, the matches at games? 
I know that I, I can't say anything because I've never been to a mis, uh, an Outlaws match yet. It's on our bucket list this year to do because um, our personal connection with the team it is to I know that the sidekicks after the match, all the sidekick players go to the to the the arena and do autographs and yeah, mingle with so, everyone. Do you guys see things like that to have customer engagement? Yes. So, um, you know, we'll have um, youth nights where we invite, uh, you know, local teams out to participate in our youth nights. Um, that's going to be something that we'll uh, be announcing, uh, you know, closer to November when that date will be. Um, and then, uh, you know, after every one of our home games, we do something similar as well. Um, down on the field, we give, uh, you know, our fans and, and specifically the kiddos um, the opportunity to interact with our players, um, you know, take a quick photo, uh, get their autograph. Um, and then, you know, many, like I said, many of our players do those private sessions and stuff. So um, they'll always have, uh, you know, a bunch of their, uh, you know, kiddos that they train uh, out at the games, uh, you know, supporting and, and, and watching them. And so, you know, after the game, it just gives those kids uh, something to look up to and, and dream, you know, at the end of the day uh, to, to one day be in, in those in, in those kids shoes. So, yeah, we do do that as well. Um, and I think it's I think it's awesome, you know, for for uh, the younger generations um, and just gives them that, uh, you know, that those goals um, to to work after. I love that. I, I think that's we're in an age, I, I'm going to age myself. So I graduated in 2002. So I am 39, I'll be 40 next year. And looking at the player engagement with pro athletes in the community is phenomenal because there are so many more pro athletes now that are able to interact with players that are from the local Metroplex versus having to come from abroad. And so I take the, I take the outlaws as the example here is that you guys have a roster of what? Um, I'm trying to remember. I looked it up the other day. Just I was curious what a roster carries. I can't remember. Let's say it's 20 players. And those 20 players now interact with your your community. How often does it draw more people to the to the to the, to the arena for you guys, do you think? Yeah, Having for sure. Having that personal connection. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, those players that um, are, are doing their private sessions and stuff, uh, day in and day out on our home games, you know, we'll see them them in the stands and their teams supporting them. Um, so I think that's a big part, too, of our, you know, uh, fan engagement um, is them having that personal connection with our players um, and being able to, to go out there and cheer for them and support them and just the camaraderie uh, behind all that. Um, and that's something, too, that we look to to strengthen um, this upcoming year um, and, and just make, uh, you know, really a, a fun, engaging family environment um, where you can come out, um, you know, watch talented uh, soccer guys get after it um, and, and ultimately uh, push to get back to the playoffs again. Now, I feel like Mesquite kind of has some um, history here. I, I, I'm trying to remember like I said, I try not to look anything up. What is the history with the outlaws in the Metroplex then? Because I hear stories. I know some of the other clubs like FC Dallas and all of them, but what is the outlaws history then in the Metroplex? Because 
have they always been out in Mesquite or have they been elsewhere? And how old is the actual club as a whole? For sure. So 2019 um, was the first year that the Mesquite Outlaws um, started. Um, obviously, that was right around COVID and stuff. And so uh, they played a few games uh, that year. I, I want to say roughly like four to six games or something like that. Um, and then obviously COVID uh, happened um, and, and kind of shut down everything. Um, and then this past year was our first year back um, since that. Excuse me. And so, so, I mean, technically, uh, you know, that year one, 2019, that really wasn't a year in essence, but uh, that was our first rollout year. Um, and then uh, this last year, um, was our first year back uh, pre-COVID, um, and then this will be our second. Um, so you have that year of COVID. Last year we had the full season, and then this year will be our second full season. Oh, two and a half seasons. So Tattoo, he's been there since 2019 then, right? Correct. Yeah, Tattoo um, and his staff have, have been here. Uh, you know, he's, he's a staple in the DFW and specifically the MASL. Um, and so uh, you know, he, he, he's getting after it. Uh, you know, he's excited about this upcoming season. Um, and so, yeah. I recently saw on your social media, he's the only player in MASL history to be player of the year and coach of the year in the same year. I think that's what it said. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome because, (laughs) but he has a rich history. And I think, I think people don't realize his history with this beautiful game either. It's, the history of the players that you guys have, not just with that play arena soccer, it is uh, they have a huge history with this, this game. And I mean, if you just go read the profiles of your coaches, I mean, I only read tattoos is because of Segu. And I knew Segu is because his wife shared it with my family. And before I even did research. So learning about these guys and watching you guys market at these men and these coaches for you guys is absolutely amazing. And you mentioned David Ortiz, make sure I said it correct. And it's like the soccer world's really small. And I don't think people realize how small the soccer community is here. If I'm not mistaken, he's a local that grew up here, correct? Yeah, yeah. So he's from from the McKinney area. And it's very fascinating. Like you start doing research on these players and how many of these players make it big and they stay local because of the pride they have for the community. And it says a lot about the clubs like yours that allow these players to still play in their world. I mean, McKinney's not that far from Allen in my opinion. Or, no, Mesquite, sorry. From Mesquite, <laughs> from Mesquite. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> from Mesquite area, I mean it's not that far, but he still is able to play in his community, so to speak. I mean, I always joke that the DFW area is the size of Connecticut. And I mean, Connecticut over the Metroplex, that's the size of Connecticut. And people don't realize what, how big our community is here. And people will drive from Fort Worth to go watch you guys play, to watch the club play. And how do you guys are going to continue to encourage people to come out. I know that it's very hard because you guys are in Mesquite. And I mean, for, for me and Keller, that's an hour and 15 minute drive for a two hour and 15 minute match, roughly. Yeah. Two and a half hours sure. of time. 
how do you guys encourage people to come out to play? Yeah, to so kind of using, using uh, like I said, the uh, fan engagement and, and family-oriented is, is one of our big areas of focus. Um, we're going to be ramping that up this year um, and, and doing new things uh, to make sure that, you know, uh, when our fans, you know, whether it's someone that's been a fan for the last 30, 40 years or it's somebody that's it's their first indoor game, uh, making sure that we make um, the experience um, an experience that they're going to leave there and say, I'm coming back next week, you know. And so uh, we're going to be rolling out some things this year uh, and, and really just focusing on that family engagement um, and making sure uh, at the end of the day, like I said, it's all uh, about the brand and continuing to grow the brand. Um, we've been able to do uh, a lot in a little bit of time. Um, and so just also using some of our uh, players and uh, their communities that they built. We've got another guy um, that I, I coached as well growing up, uh, Eric Macias. Um, he's a local kid from uh from Mesquite, he graduated from Mesquite Horn. Um, and so him being right here in our community of Mesquite, um, you know, says a lot to all of the kids here uh, who are high school players in the Mesquite area. Um, you know, he's, he's went off, he got his college degree. Um, he's playing for uh, the Texas Outlaws. He, he's been in and out of uh, the national team uh, camps for futsal. Um, but that just shows, you know, our players specifically in the Mesquite area and DFW that um, that it's possible. And we want to make sure that we capitalize on that um, when we uh, have our home games um, and, and just highlight those things. That's so cool. He's actually like a, like a kid that could have been if you guys were old enough to be there to be a kid that's watching it and now the next generation of players will have an idolize person to idolize and to grow up wanting to be like i mean i bet you get yeah. i guarantee you're going to have a uh, place filled with the local high school kids that's coming and watching him and not even just mesquite just maybe i i don't know how the isd set up there but the isd will probably support him because they're proud of I have a graduate yeah. that came from the ISD there. For that sure. Is, yeah, we've got something really special coming for our home game. Like I said, we'll announce it here soon. Um, but uh, it's it's exciting times, you know. Um, I you know back when I played, some of the coaches um, that were coaches that I played against, you know, they're they're you know in positions of Mesquite ISD that uh, you know we're going to roll out some fun things. And and like I said, Eric Macias being uh, a graduate from one of the Mesquite high schools here um, and, and, you know, him having the opportunity to, to play in front of his hometown. Uh, I think that's special, you know, for him, um, for, for the coaches, for the staff, for everybody. I love it. I love it. I love it. With the community outreach and community engagement. Um, I'm trying to, I call it lure fans into the, into the seats because uh, watching these games online I, I i'll use this as my example last season i watched a lot of your guys's games online mm -hmm. and watching nationwide if you go to california they're jammed packed you go to utica it's not so much the case 
You come here, I'll probably say they're seventy five percent full easily for majority of the match. Yeah. Now, how do you guys plan on? Are you guys plan on trying to get it to one hundred percent capacity so it looks like when you guys go out to um, California or more heavily riched um, soccer communities to fill them like that, or is it to just let it grow naturally because you guys are so? I mean, you're two and a half seasons old. I mean, going on your third season here. Yeah. Going. Yeah, so so like I said, you know, uh, myself, uh, Brad, Michaela, um, and, and our other staff members that are in the front office, just really getting out into the community, and and uh, you know, we have a broader cast this year, um, and so you know, even during our tryouts, we've had we've had players come in to try out from from all over the place, uh, from down in the valley to El Paso to Houston, San Antonio. Um, we even had, you know, a couple guys come over from Oklahoma. And so we, we've really just been focusing on the brand, um, and, uh, making sure that, um, you know, we're turning over every stone, um, and not leaving any stones unturned. Um, and so that's, that's what, uh, we've been doing right now in the front office. Um, and, you know, like I said, one of our sayings is, uh, that Brad, uh, always says is, uh, you know, get after it. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of one of our, you know, that one and we are Texas. And so, uh, just really turning over every stone that we can. Um, and then once we get to December 16th, um, just making sure that we, uh, that, that we show up and, and, and we execute. Love it. That's awesome. The 16th. Um, now, Is there, you keep on talking about foot sole. My brain keeps on going back to it. I'm bouncing all over the place. I am so sorry. No, you're There's fine. the ADH mind of uh, <laughs> a 39 year old man here that talks like he's a 12 year old kid. How much similarity then is it between foot sole and arena soccer? So, other than there's walls. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the progressions um, and the rotations uh, that the players uh you know do on futsal um you'll see a lot of it translate um into the into indoor soccer um you know the the game has changed um in both in indoor and, and uh outdoor and so uh, like with futsal um you know there's a lot of rotations um and and just kind of kind of knowing uh, their time frames, you know, it's usually minute, minute and a half rotations that they're that they're going and, and getting after it. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in shape. And then when you get in there, uh, it's it's a whole different game, you know. And so our guys do take pride in, in making sure, uh, you know, that they're fit and they're ready to to each game, uh, you know, go out and do their part. Um, where are you guys? Where can we find you? What's your social medias? What are your websites? I mean, I will link them in the in the show comments because I feel like that's important for you guys to get your brand out there. But other than coming out on the 16th of December and cheering out the Texas Outlaws, where can we cheer you guys on social media? I know that you guys are you guys still on tour? Is it not Twitch. Is it Twitch or something like Twitch that? Is, oh. Twitch is the streaming. Um, we will be on uh, Twitch again. Um, you know, that's a league sponsor. Um, and so our games will be, uh, you know, streamed on Twitch. 
Um, we're really active, you know, on social media, you know, on, on Instagram, Texas Outlaws FC, um, you know, uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, Texas Outlaws FC on there as well. And then also, you know, Facebook, um, you know, we're, we're making sure that, that we engage um, in those areas uh, to continue to, to grow the brand um, and get, get the name out there. Cause you know, we, we still run into places um, that people are like, who's the Texas outlaws or who's the mesquite outlaws previously, you know? And so really just continuing to, to get the brand out there. Um, you know, we got our competitor down the road that they have history behind them. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, starting all that from, from the ground up and, you know, I, I look back at my personal, you know, journey and it seems like I've always been a part of something building up. And so, uh, I, like I said, I'm competitive and so I'm out here getting after it, doing everything I can to, with our staff to, to make sure that we, uh, let people know who we are and, and that we are, we're going to get out there, uh, on the field and get after it and work to get our spot in the playoffs again. Awesome. Now, my favorite question for all my interviewers, all my interviewees, sorry. Um, who has been your greatest influence as a player? And since you've coached, um, who's your greatest influence as you as a coach? And I would also like to add, who's been your greatest influence to continue your soccer journey beyond coaching and um, playing? Yeah, so... Uh... I guess my biggest influence, um, like I said, is uh, would first be, um, you know, my parents and stuff, but them not having the opportunities um, and just being from a smaller culture uh, to myself kind of gave me a chip on my shoulder to go out and, and do everything I can compete and try to take wherever I'm at to the highest level. Um, some coaches that that really um, impacted me throughout the years um, would be, you know, my high school coach, Casey Osborne, um, as well as uh, another one of my high school coach, uh, Brian Jennings, who's out in Houston now. Um, I think those two guys really helped mold um, and form me. Um, and then obviously later on, uh, Coach Wright uh, and Coach Sam McCutcheon, um, who he's the one that uh, started the project there at Howard Payne. So those guys really um, just giving me the opportunity, encouraging me to continue to stay in the game, even after my car accident. Um, I think I owe them a lot. Um, and then uh, just, you know, at the end of the day, God's always in, in my, uh, in my corner as well. So uh, I think those are kind of the main, main, influencers uh that i have uh and that kind of just helped me continue uh, my journey love it hey everyone i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of chat by the pitch michael was a great person to talk to lots of information i promise you you'll probably be hearing from him again in the near future and I hope you guys check out The Outlaws. I will link all their social medias below, their website, and any other information I can get on them for them. And if you guys want more information, you can find them on their social media. If you guys enjoyed this episode of Chat by the Pitch, or any of the episodes of Chat by the Pitch, this podcast in general, please give us a review, some stars, 
and share this podcast with others so we can continue growing this podcast. Until next time, I'll see you at the pitch.